Hey, this is Amanda, women's health dietitian. And I'm Emily, nutritional therapy practitioner. And this is the Are You Menstrual podcast, where we help you navigate the confusing world of women's hormones and teach you how to have healthy periods. Each week, we will be diving into a different topic on women's health and sharing our perspective using nutrition, female physiology, and metabolic health. Our goal is to help you wade through conflicting health information and empower you on your healing journey. We hope you enjoy it. Okay, this is my like bajillionth attempt to record the postpartum episode. I was going to do it with my husband. It did not work out. He's in, well, he's overseas. He's deployed and his internet's just not great. It's not terrible, honestly, for being deployed, but it just wasn't good enough, but that's okay. I'm going to share his perspective. I'm going to share our immediate postpartum and then I'm going to talk about breastfeeding, tongue ties, exercise. I'm basically just going to go through and answer all your questions from Instagram. Cause I was like, I was going to try to do this in like some sort of order, but I I just feel like it gets like very confusing when I do that. So I'm just going to answer your questions and I think I'll end up touching on pretty much everything like postpartum related. So hopefully this is helpful if you are about to be in this season or if you're in it, or if you know someone that's about to be in it or is in it. Our immediate postpartum was awesome. We did a home birth, listened to the birth story episode. So we were already at home, didn't have to drive anywhere. It was very relaxing and stress-free, which was like our goal. That's why we did the home birth. And they just put me on the bed. Eliana was right in my chest. They did, they didn't like check us and like do everything right away. They gave us plenty of time. They stayed there for a few hours after. So basically they let us get acquainted. I was breastfeeding her and they're like cleaning up and doing their thing around the house. Ian was in the bed with us too. So we were doing that for a couple hours. I ate. They like really encouraged me to eat. I passed the placenta. I talked about all that in the last episode. I did take a shower. They're like, do you want a shower before we leave? I was like, please. Yes. Cause I didn't, we, and I want to put Eliana down. So I put her on Ian's chest and then my midwife helped me shower, which I definitely would not have been able to do by myself. So very grateful that they offered. You don't have to. They just like ask if you want to. We did not give Eliana a bath for like over a week. So. She did not shower or get a bath or anything, but she still was like so clean. I'm like, I don't get it. Um, but you know, nature's cool. So we had a great immediate postpartum. Our midwife came back like a day and a half later for our first like checkup and visit. And it's so funny because they leave and you don't know what you're doing. I'm just like, what do I do? And they they have all these instructions and like a pamphlet for you, like feed the baby every two hours and blah, blah, blah. So that was kind of like what we were focusing on was trying to make sure that Eliana ate every couple of hours which is like a lot harder than it sounds because she was so sleepy. So we were like constantly waking her up. And then when I, my first appointment came, we were like, okay, she's been sleeping way more the last like day. She seems lethargic and she was barely eating. So I was like starting to get really nervous. And the midwife was like, yeah, she did lose weight, but that's pretty typical, but we'll have our lactation consult come out tomorrow anyway. And it was a Saturday and she came, which was amazing. Side note, like lactation consultants are just so helpful. I would say if you could find someone, you don't have to meet with them before you have a baby. But like I had like three that I was like, okay, if something goes wrong, I can reach out and set up an appointment. And I just feel like that, like, you know, it helps with all the stress that was going on. So we had our first appointment. It went fine. I was doing fine. Eliana was fine. We were just like 
we don't think she's eating and I don't really know what I'm doing with breastfeeding. So you just don't really know if it's working. She helped us with some positioning stuff that did help with, I feel like she latched a little bit better, but I still couldn't like hear her swallowing. So then finally Saturday, it's four days after we had her and the lactation consultants helping us. We try to get Eliana to latch and she finally latches and I hear her swallowing and it's like so painful. And I'm like, oh no, this is what it's supposed to feel like. And she's like, that's not what it's supposed to feel like. So she tries to help me with the latch. Then she looks inside Eliana's mouth and she sees that she does have like a tongue tie and a lip tie. And I just want to say that like this kind of put us down a rabbit hole and there's like plenty of things I'm like so grateful to our birth team for, but like, this is probably not one of them is like the whole, just making us think that like, because she had these ties, they were definitely tight. Now, obviously I was having pain with breastfeeding, which is like a big red flag, but basically we just got pushed into this, like she needs a revision most likely. So she gave us a referral for a couple doctors that took our insurance, even though it was so early on, Eliana wasn't even on our insurance yet. So pretty much no matter what we were going to pay out of pocket, which we're at this point, we're like, she's not eating. We're scared whatever. So that was kind of like the main part of the consult. And then she, you know, taught me how to use my breast pump, which was helpful so that I could pump. We had some milk. She recommended that we do like triple feeds. So it's like you have that little tube thing that you tape on your boob and then they get that in their mouth. You press a button, it puts milk in their mouth while they're breastfeeding. So they get more. And then she wanted us to do that first and then consider using a bottle. And she gave us a newborn bottle. She taught us how to pace feed because the biggest concern with breastfeeding and using a bottle is that the baby's going to get used to like a really fast pace of milk and then they're not going to want to breastfeed. I just don't really know how true that is. And I talk about this with a lactation consultant, Therese Dansby on my breastfeeding episode that is after this one. But I just was like, I mean, I wanted to cry when she told me to use that dupe thing. I was like, she's not eating and she's lethargic and she doesn't it just like, I just felt like something was so wrong. And I'm like, you want me to use this tube? You think that's going to help? And like, we had barely slept, you know, we were a mess. So I was like, I'm just giving her a bottle. So I pumped, she finally left. It was just like a, it was like a three hour appointment. It was like a lot. It was so much and we're exhausted. And I'm like, I need you to get out of my house. I need to just like give my baby a bottle without you telling me that I shouldn't give my baby a bottle. So my husband gave them to her. He gave her two bottles, like almost back to back. And she was like awake again. And she was so much better. Her jaundice was starting to improve. You know, like we were just like, okay, this is going to work. So I was like breastfeeding her, working on the latch and in a lot of pain. But I was like, we're going to figure this out. While we also gave her like a couple bottles a day. And I would just pump whenever my husband gave her a bottle so it wouldn't mess with my milk supply. Lots of pumping in the beginning, which I was like, this is awful. Like how do people do this all the time? But now I'm like totally used to it. But in the beginning, it was rough. So that was the beginning. We did make an appointment with one of the doctor's offices to get a revision because in our minds, we're like, okay, well, this is the the thing that's going to fix our problems. It's going to allow her to latch correctly. Then I started doing a ton of research because I I have a few friends that their kids have had tongue ties and I just like something to me fell off. I was like, yes, she showed us some like body positioning things to do with her and some exercises for her mouth. And I was like, can't we just do these and see if it helps? Because every time we would do the body stuff, then I would try to get her to latch. It was like a little bit better. And 
So that was Saturday. And then by Tuesday, we had already had this appointment scheduled for Thursday, but she was starting to eat better. And we got a scale because I was sick of everyone using different scales and telling me that she lost a ton of weight that we just got our own so we could have like a more accurate representation. And she had started to gain weight. So I was like so conflicted. I'm like crying with her on my chest on the couch. And I finally told my husband, like, I don't think we can do this. I just, I, something feels super wrong in my gut. Can we wait? Can we try some other stuff first since she's doing better? Do we have to go for this right away? So we decided not to do the revision. We pushed it off. Spoiler alert. We still have not done it. I don't, I mean, we took her to the pediatrician and whenever you look at her mouth now, it's like her ties are not tight anymore. And I think that's the big thing is like, just because you have a tie there doesn't mean it's tight. You always want to look at the functionality and Corey and Fallon from Freely Rooted Podcast, they have a great episode all on tongue ties with Mikhail. I did Mikhail's course when we decided we were going to not do the revision. I was like, I'm just going to do this course. We're going to go to the chiropractor. We found our cranial sacral therapist that our chiropractor referred us to. And I know that you hear all this and your first thought is like, well, that's great, but I don't have the money for that. But it actually was less expensive because remember, she wasn't on our insurance yet. So we were going to pay out of pocket for this revision, which we were totally prepared to do. But it was actually cheaper to buy Mikhail's course, go to the chiropractor and the cranial sacral therapist twice. And I don't think people realize like you don't have to like constantly go because they teach you here's what you need to be doing like a million times a day with your baby at home. Cause that's really what the cranial sacral therapy is all about is giving her this constant exposure and, you know, basically fixing the structure of her mouth. So, and, and she was so little that her, the roof of her mouth was still so soft. It wasn't even hard yet. Now it's hard. So I imagine if we tried to do this stuff now, it'd be a little bit more difficult, but she was so small. She adjusted so quickly and we were able to like really kind of change the trajectory of her oral development, which was really cool. So we did that. It ended up being less than half the cost of what the revision would have been. I mean, I mean, we're in North Carolina. It could be more expensive, depending on who you go see. But I got a referral from my Cairo, and he was like, I really trust this woman. She does great work. I mean, and when you're going for a pediatric appointment, it's usually a lot cheaper. So do with that what you will. So I just want to put that out there because I feel like when I hear myself saying it, it's like, oh, that's great because you have the money to do that, but it ended up being cheaper. So that was like the whole tongue tie situation. Breastfeeding was very hard at the beginning. It eventually got better the more that we did the body work with her. And my husband was doing it with her like, I don't know, like 10 times a day. Pretty much every time before she ate, we would have our fingers in her mouth doing all the stuff that our cranial sacral therapist recommended. And then using the kind of positions that they teach you in Mikhail's course for how to like open up and like improve the flexibility of your baby. So all those things really, really helped. She started gaining weight rapidly. She was eating, she was eating very frequently. And, and like, they're like, she needs to only eat every two hours. If she's eating more frequently, it means she's not getting enough milk, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how true all that stuff is. And I don't know how much, if you're a new mom and you're going through this, it's like, if things are moving in the right direction and like the pain for you is getting better and your baby is doing better and you're like noticing that they are more flexible and more open. A lot of people are like, how do you know she's not compensating? Literally her ties are not tight anymore. We can do the resting tongue pose where her tongue's on the roof of her mouth and you pull down the chin and it stays up there. It did not do that before. And her lip, if we like pull her lip up, it moves and it's flexible. It's not so tight anymore. So 
I am confident that she's in a good place. Will we have to do it in the future? Maybe if she has an issue with solids or with speech, but I just can't imagine that that's going to be the case given how loose her ties have gotten. So I just think everyone has to do what's right for them. But if you have this like intuitive feeling that this is not the right choice for you and your family, then I would really just go with that and like explore other options. And luckily, you know, there are many. And when we had our first appointment with her pediatrician and I mentioned the ties and he's from the Midwest and he's like, man, they are very proactive on the ties here. He's like, I feel like every kid I see has a tongue tie that's like been revised, but then they still have feeding issues. So doesn't mean that if you get a revision, it's not going to work, but it's like you have to do all the body work stuff around it in order for the revision to work effectively, not come back because there's really no guarantee. When I was reading on the website for the doctor we made an appointment with that like they have unlimited revisions for the first year, I was like, that's like not a great sign to me. So do whatever you want. This is not me giving advice. This is me sharing our experience. And also, you know, now that I know more about ties, I'm like, hers were not that bad. We were able to like intervene very early on and quickly and everything ended up being fine. So that's kind of like our immediate postpartum. I'm going to share a dog Instagram account that I did not have before, but I discovered like a couple weeks after we had her, I think our dogs did great with her minus moose. Diego and Priscilla, Diego was still a puppy. He's still a puppy, but like, you know, it was four months ago. So he was like really still a puppy, but he did great. He just listens really well. He's a mini poodle. I don't know. They like to please. And he really does like to do that with us. So he did great with her. You know, we were just careful because he gets very excited. So, you know, constantly watching him, but he didn't like, try. He, he knew. It's like, he just had this he must have just known that like she's a baby and I can't go near her. Now he does and it's so cute. They are so adorable together. I do not regret getting him. And I know like the older she gets, like the more fun it's going to be. Priscilla pretty much wants nothing to do with her, which is fine. Like she she likes to be near me. So if, obviously I'm always with Eliana, so she's near her, but she doesn't like try to lick her or anything. She just doesn't really care, which I'm cool with. And then Moose did not do well. He's our dog that had, he has one eye. We rescued him like six years ago. He started anger peeing all over the house. Every time we put her down, he would like jump to her and try to bite her. I was like, I mean, it was really stressful. It's like we figured out the eating stuff and breastfeeding and then Moose was just like a nightmare. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to do. So my parents, they came a couple times to visit. And finally I was like, can you guys take Moose? It was the hardest thing and I don't want to cry. So I'm not going to talk about it much longer because I probably will soon, but he's so happy. Like him and my dad have this very special bond. Like ever since we got Moose, like he just loved him. He's a very funny, like sassy dog. And my dad just always got a kick out of him. So they are both retired and living the life in Myrtle beach. And Moose just runs the neighborhood and everyone loves him. So he's getting all the attention that he needs there. I actually went there last weekend to watch him while my parents were traveling and it was just chaos again. And I was like, we made the right decision, but I do miss him. And he's a really good dog. He just like, wasn't meant to be with a little baby, but the dog's Instagram account has all these things about like introducing your dog to your baby that I definitely like recommend checking out. Okay. So let me see if there's anything I wanted to include. I'm just going to go to your questions, I think. Okay. So questions that you guys had asked about thyroid issues, postpartum. Did you have any? Does it affect breastfeeding? I have not. I haven't done any testing, but my basal body temperature has been good. Obviously, it's lower because I'm not ovulating. 
but my temperature is okay. It's in like the low 97s, which I kind of expected. And I just feel good. So if something's not broken at this point, I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm still taking iodine. My supplements did not change. A lot of people ask like, have your supplements changed? They did not change because I haven't done any testing. And you know, your nutrient needs are higher after you have a baby. I'm exclusively breastfeeding her. We're not, we don't have to use bottles anymore. Not that she would take one now any, anyway, she hasn't gotten one in so long, but yeah, so we had no issues with getting her to nurse after having a bottle and we did not do the paste feeding because we couldn't get her to eat it. So we would just give it to her however she would take it and she was fine. So thyroid's fine. A lot of people ask about lab testing and like blood donation. Typically it's recommended to wait six months to donate blood. And that would be just to kind of combat the excess iron that can build up during pregnancy because you're not bleeding, right? Women absorb more iron because we typically have a monthly cycle. You don't bleed for nine months. I bled during birth, obviously, and I bled for like three days postpartum, but that was it. I did use the diapers. They had like a cute little setup that they put in my bathroom for me. I used diapers and the pads for like probably like four days. But after that, I switched to period panties because I really wasn't bleeding that much. And then after a week, I wasn't bleeding at all. Now, I know that's different for everyone. But for me, I do think that that's because I stayed in bed for the first seven days. And that's something that I talked to my husband about. I was like, this is very important to me. I don't want to move for the first seven days. And I knew after that, like you have a baby, you don't know what things are going to be like. You, I, I wanted to do the in the bed for seven days, in and around the bed for seven days. But and then we had, we're going to all these appointments with Eliana and it like wasn't realistic. But honestly, I felt good because I didn't do anything for seven days. I just stayed in bed with her, fed her. My husband would even change not all of her diapers, but like a good amount of them. And the only reason I got up was to like use the bathroom and shower. So he fed me. I fed her. He took care of the dogs and did stuff around the house. I asked him, I was like, would you want help with that next time? Do you feel like it was too much? But he's like, he loves like routine. So for him, it's like he just got into a really good routine. Like he would get up, take the dogs out. I would feed Eliana, although I was up, you know, nursing her all night. But it's like I would get up with her just in bed and then he would take the dogs, take care of them, make us breakfast. I would eat that. He would hold her and then we would swap and then he would make himself breakfast. Usually he would work out after that. So it's like he, we had a whole routine. We did one load of laundry a day. Our dogs, obviously we still had moose for a little bit, but like two, three dogs, it's like messy. So like he would clean the floors every other day. Like he got into a very good groove. He was like, I would not have wanted help because having the tasks helped him and made him feel useful because you know, she, really Eliana just wanted me and she needed me and she needed to eat. And we were trying to figure out all her breastfeeding oral restriction stuff. So he really liked it. I think like if you don't have a spouse that's like that, you probably want to consider budgeting in like maybe you have someone come clean your house once a week. It's a friend or family member or you budget for it and you hire someone ahead of time. That's something I could see. I'm like, cause we could get help next time. But he was like, no, I really like doing it. Made me feel useful. But that's what allowed me to stay in bed for seven days. And I do think that I attribute that to, and just like resting. Like, I know it's hard because you feel good and then you don't want to rest. You're like, I want to do stuff. But like, I was like, no, the first month I'm not doing anything. I didn't even walk with her. So after the first month, then I started walking with her and I slowly started to work out. And then I had to scale back because I got hemorrhoids. But it's like, 
if you just rest and don't stress about anything, you will recover well. Or at least that was the case for me. So no thyroid issues. I have not retested. I will. I was going to do it this weekend because my sister was going to visit, but she's sick, so she can't come. So I'm probably going to redo my hair test in the next couple of weeks. But again, like I have felt really good postpartum, so I'm not really stressing about any of that. And I do think that's just like prioritizing eating. I feel like all I do is eat and it can be very annoying sometimes where I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to eat again. I'm starving. But honestly, focusing on those basics, I think has really helped me feel good. Being really consistent with my supplements, that has helped. And I talk about what I'm taking in my pregnancy episode. Nothing has changed. Maybe like more adrenal cocktails because like if I if I'm thirstier then I'll have them or if I'm like super stressed because now I'm working then like I'll have more but most of it's just like trying to eat enough. A lot of people ask like mentally emotionally how am I doing? Very good. I would say like the hardest time. My husband deployed at like July 22nd and then everything kind of went downhill for like three weeks and now it's better. So. My dog Priscilla got very sick because I traveled and I boarded her and Diego for the first time. And I mean, it was like a nice place and I had cameras. I was checking in all the time. I called the place. They're like, they're doing great, eating well, poops are fine, no issues. Like the crazy dog mom that I am. And then I pick her up like a week later and she's having diarrhea and I'm like, okay, she's probably just adjusting to being home. They probably gave her stuff she wasn't supposed to eat, which I provided all their food and snacks, but you can't, you can only control so much. And then she started having bloody diarrhea. And then I brought her to the vet like right away. They think she had HGE, which is like this bleeding disorder. It can come on from eating things that are bad, spoiled bacteria, but can also be from stress. They don't really know what it's from. So she was on like six medications and she wouldn't eat. So I was like constantly going back to the vet. They just like were not helpful. And they're like, well, we'll we'll just keep her overnight. And I'm like, cool, take her off my hands. I'm so exhausted and stressed out. I'm like home by myself with a baby. It was a lot, but no one was going to be there at night. And I was like, this is going to be the same thing for her. She's going to be so stressed out because she's by herself. Although it boarded, she was with Diego, but it's like, she's away from me. She doesn't know where she is. And I'm like, so she's just going to go another 13 hours without eating. And I'm supposed to like be okay with that. So I ended up not doing it. I was like a mess at the vet. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to take her home. Cause I feel like she's not getting better, but I can't leave her here. Cause you guys are going to leave in an hour. So it was really stressful. But then like I took her home and I started syringe feeding her, giving her all her meds. And then eventually she got better and now she's fine. But That was like the worst, most stressful time of like this whole postpartum and it was because of my dogs. So I would say it's going pretty good outside of that. Going back to work was really hard. I hired a nanny and it didn't work out. So I found a different nanny and then last minute she ended up going with another family. So I don't have a nanny. I don't have childcare. And at first I was very stressed out about that because I was like, how am I going to get anything done? But honestly, even when the nanny was here, Eliana mostly wanted me. So it was basically like if she was napping, if she'd wake up, the nanny would like put her hand on her so that she would go back to sleep. And that was like the most help that I got, which was very helpful. And I wanted to pay someone to do that, but no one wanted to do it because they felt like I needed like a mother's helper and not like a full on nanny. And I'm like, but what about when she gets older and I want you to like do more with her, you know? So it's just been, childcare has been very challenging. And finally I was just like, this is not working. I'm just going to work during her naps and then see how it goes. And then once my husband gets back, we'll reassess because I felt like I was more stressed trying to find a nanny and get a good fit 
than me trying to work by myself with her. You know, I'm like, I might as well just be working because it's stressful anyway. So now it's like, I've adjusted my expectations. I know, okay, here's how much work I can typically get done in a day. And I'm just like, adjusting as we go. I work during her naps and then usually for a couple hours at night, which I didn't want to do, but I'm like, you know what? This is my life right now. And I'm okay with that. I'm eating plenty. She's a good sleeper. I mean, she gets up and eats, but we co-sleep together, which I'll talk about. So overall, it's like the hardest thing is just that, you know, when she doesn't nap well, it's, it's challenging, but it's been pretty good so far. I'm still here. I'm still surviving and I feel good. So mentally, emotionally, it's been good. The hardest part Priscilla got sick and my husband's gone. You know, it just it makes me sad like for Eliana because I feel like she misses and I obviously miss my husband, but she just loves people and she's just like got to be entertained all the time. She's got to be doing she's like on the move. She's busy. She's like me. I get it. So I feel like she misses him and she likes being around lots of people. So I'm like, eh, like I feel bad, but and she's just changing so fast that I'm like, you know, I send him videos and he's like, oh my gosh, she doesn't even like look the same. Now she looks exactly like him. They're basically twins. So he loves that. But yeah, those are probably been like the most challenging times. Hey, Amanda here, just giving you a quick break, hopefully a a break for your brain in the middle of this podcast episode to remind you that if you haven't gone through our free training, Optimizing Hormone Health Through Mineral Balance, we really do recommend starting there. And the main reason for that is because you're going to hear us say things like mineral foundation, having a solid foundation, are you putting the foundations in place? Especially what was we get deeper and deeper into different hormonal topics and specific imbalances in the body, the, the mineral foundation it's always going to be so essential. So if you haven't watched the free training, you can find it in our show notes or you can go to hormonehealingrd.com and it's going to be right on that front page there. But we really recommend starting there so that you can understand how is your current mineral status? How do you assess this and how to get started with all that just so you can get as much as you possibly can out of the rest of the podcast episodes. But that's it. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode. We talked about breastfeeding. I am doing ecological breastfeeding. Obviously, we had to use bottles in the beginning, but now it's like, you know, I don't have a nanny. I'm with her 24-7, so I nurse her on demand. She feeds at night. I usually, I nurse her to sleep for all of her naps. I don't always do one full nap with her a day. That's like one of the principles, but... I mean, she gets, it's like for 20 minutes every nap. So I feel like that adds up to a full nap. We don't do any bottles anymore because we just don't need to. There's like seven principles. I nurse her to comfort and I'm never away from her basically ever now. So we talk about that in the breastfeeding episode. Well, I was going to say we're using his birth control. My husband's not home, but if you were, that would be our birth control. Okay. Filling nutritious midnight snacks to have on hand. So I made nursing muffins. I froze like, I think like three or four dozen before I had her. I was so grateful I did that. That was like my favorite food that I was able to have on hands. I still make them every week or I usually make them every two weeks and I make a ton. I made them yesterday actually. So those were so, so amazing for us. I ate them, my husband ate them, but like I could just say like, hey, can you get me some muffins if I was starving at night? I also use them a lot first thing in the morning. I don't anymore because she eats all night long now. So she doesn't need to eat first thing. And now I wake up a little bit before her and eat breakfast and pump and stuff. So, 
but I still eat them as a snack every day. So I can't recommend them enough. I'm going to share the recipe when this podcast comes out in an Instagram post so that it's on my feed and then I'll save it to the postpartum highlight on my feed so you guys can find it in the future. But they're delicious. They've got protein, fat, and carb. They're packed with minerals and vitamins and they taste good. The other thing that I always have is Greek yogurt and fruit. That's probably the other thing I eat the most frequently. It just works for me. I get plenty of protein. My blood sugar is balanced. I I like it and I enjoy it. So those are like the two top things. Newborn essentials. So this is so funny. When I I asked my husband, I'm like, what do you think we really needed? He was like, you and your boobs. And like, that's basically it. I would say yes to those, but also an LV or a Haka. So like something to catch your let down and extra milk. Cause in the first few months, like you have, typically you have a lot extra and like I had friends build up a whole supply without pumping just with catching their letdown. So highly recommend it. The baby Bourjoin bouncer. That's the only thing Eliana will let us put her in. She doesn't like any fancy swings, nothing. That's what I put her in now and I have to shower. Snuggle me bed. That is like, it's like a little bed cozy thing that you can use say like I think we used it a lot when she was really little like if I needed to put her down to get up and go to the bathroom I'd put her in the bed usually on our bed if she would fall asleep on me on the couch but then I would need to eat I'd put her in that and I would eat they tell you not to let them sleep in it unless you're watching them I'm like does no one use baby monitors I feel like I'm always watching her but like even now I keep looking down because she's sleeping and so she doesn't sleep in it anymore she's very large now and I don't even know if she would fit but we used it for a very long time we also used it we put it between us at night and that's where she would sleep she slept on me for the first seven days co-sleepy at co-sleepy I'll link her account from Instagram she's an amazing resource on like co-sleeping safety. She's got images and like, oh, she's, she's great. So I'm going to link her. I learned how to like safely sleep with her on my chest from her account. Highly recommend it. And then obviously like, you know, doing the cuddle, the cuddle curve, like the little C shape next to her. That's how we sleep at night now. But for a while I was exhausted. And so for the first few hours of the night, I'd put her in there and I'd sleep right next to her. And I know I wasn't watching her, but she didn't move. She was so little. So like, don't listen to me, do your own research and be safe. But for me, that worked. It was, I was able to catch up on my sleep and it made a big, big difference in the beginning because I was having to spend so much time waking her up. My husband's helping me. I mean, it was like rough in the beginning, but then when we didn't have to constantly wake her up and she was eating better, it was a lot less stressful and we could just co-sleep like normal people. So if you can find a way to co-sleep, I just, I highly recommend it. A lot of people ask me for tips and like, that's my top one. There's a lot of different ways to do that. That could be her in a bassinet. That could be them next to you, you know, in a crib in the same room. It doesn't have to be like her right on you or next to you. That's totally up to you. For, for me, it felt natural and it felt right. And I'm so happy that we do it. It's like some of my favorite moments is like waking up next to her or just like watching her sleep. So Love it. Highly recommend. And then the last newborn essential would be like some sort of wrap, a way to carry your baby. Like 
Eliana didn't like, she doesn't like being put in things. Like she hates it now that she's older, but even when she was little, but I found like the Sully wrap was great for us. It's like a little stretchy and it's not too warm. Like she's definitely a little heater. She runs very hot, just like me. And so I found like a light fabric. It's a little stretchy, but for us it worked because we tried a couple others, but she would just get so sweaty. And I'm like, this isn't working and I don't want her to overheat. So some sort of wrapper carrier, I use that to like go on walks with her, go to the grocery store, all that kind of stuff. Okay. Frozen meals. We talked about casseroles, shredded beef, nursing muffins. I also made cobbler and froze it. I was on a cobbler kick when I was pregnant with her and I froze a bunch of that. And that was great. I put that on Greek yogurt for snacks. It was awesome. How did we support each other? I kind of went through this. My husband did everything for the first seven days. And then after I was like, after four weeks, that's when I was like, okay, I can put her in the wrap. I can do stuff. She would go down for a nap by herself sometimes, not often. And so then, and I wanted, I had the energy and I felt good to do things. So I would slowly start doing stuff, but I mean, we have a pretty good breakdown anyway. Like he does, he helps me a ton around the house and he's in charge of like the lawn, all the outside stuff. So it was kind of like, she's my responsibility. Not that he doesn't help with her. He does, but it's, you know, when they're little, they just want their mom because you've got the milk and they've been inside your belly for nine months. So they still think they're a part of you, which she will always be a part of me. But yeah, so that was like, we kind of delegated it that way. And then like when I needed a break, I just communicated that to him. Like sometimes he'd be out in the garage working out for an hour and a half and I would text him and say, Hey, buddy, I need a break. You need to come inside. But I did always try to let him get a workout in because that's what works for him. And I knew that if he could do that, he would feel better. If he's happier, I'm happier. Eliana's happier. So that worked out for us. If I wanted to get a workout in, like when he went back to work at six weeks, that was definitely like a learning curve. I was having to do a lot more for myself during the day. So it was tricky, but I think now looking back, it's like, it's such a short season. I just like, next time I wouldn't stress as much. Cause that's when I was like, well, she's not sleeping like at certain times. She doesn't want to nap by herself. I felt like I was doing something wrong, but in reality, it's like, that's what she needed. She needed me. I needed to be with her. I really do think that that helped a ton. I did not have any postpartum depression or anxiety, but I spent like every moment with her pretty much. And I don't know. I just, it made me really happy. And my husband helping so much, you know, he had six weeks off from work, which is basically unheard of. We did plan for that and it took quite a bit of planning, but totally worth it. And it took that huge load off me so that I could rest and heal and focus on her and get to know her and she, and just like get into a routine that when he went back to work, it wasn't that bad. It was just like, okay, so I got to figure out how to do stuff with her around the house, like make food and shower and all that. And then like, you know, four or five weeks after that, then he deployed. And so it kind of like slowly prepped me for it. But I think you can support each other by not being afraid to tell each other what you need in a nice way. And just, you know, most of us know things about our partners. Like I know that my husband, if he doesn't work out, he's going to be cranky. So I'm not going to be like, you can't work out, you know, cause I need a break. It's like, we both need support. We didn't really have a lot of family to help. It's just like, not like our family types in relationships. But if you did, I would say like, take advantage of that. It's just like not where we're at with our family, but, and we're pretty just like self-sufficient, but we did like try to meet up with family and have them around and stuff. And that was really fun. So that's kind of how we supported each other. Just communicate. I mean, 
tell each other what you need and like try to say it beforehand. Like if you don't feel like you know what your spouse is going to need postpartum, be like, what do you, what's like going to be a deal breaker for you during the day? Like, what do you need during the day so that you guys are both on the same page? A lot of people ask, like, did Eliana have gas or reflux or cradle cap? She did have gas. I mean, I'm pretty sure all babies have gas in the beginning. Someone did tell me that, and I'm so grateful. They're like, she's going to have gas, and it's going to be terrible, but she'll grow out of it. And it really did help. You know, she'd wake up during the night crying, and it was definitely gas. We learned a lot of baby massage, which I have a whole podcast episode coming on. Thank God. That was like a savior for us. And now she's teething, and we're using it for that. So... Baby massage is very helpful. Body work, learning how to do that on your baby, I just feel like it's such a good skill to have for so many reasons. So gas is gone now. No worries with that, but it, it was terrible. And then she didn't have reflux, thank God. She's got something with her scalp right now. I don't know what it is. I feel like it might be fungal. So I'm bringing her to the doctor next week and I'm going to ask them to test it just to see. So I don't know. She didn't. It's not really like cradle cap. I don't know what it is. But she's got so much hair that it's honestly hard to see. So I'm just going to have them like scrape a little off and test it. She doesn't itch at it, but I don't know. I'm just like, she's four months. I feel like she shouldn't have this anymore. So I'll report back like once we figure it out. Okay, how do I keep myself nourished? Four meals a day and two snacks. That is what I need. I figured that out. I just need to like eat more. If I have too many small snacks, my blood sugar goes crazy. My body doesn't like it. So I definitely do like hearty snacks and then like four solid meals. And the way that I do that, it was easy when my husband was here before he left. I was like, okay, like I need to prep food. So you entertain her now on Sundays during her naps. Like that's the day that I food prep. And I'm like, not the kind of person that likes to do that. I don't like to spend that much time cooking. And like, I feel like it's like a whole day, but now I'm like, if I do this on Sundays, I really am only making breakfast during the week. And for me, that's what I need right now. Like there's no childcare. It's just me and her. So that's what I do. And it, it's like become a routine and it, I don't mind it now. Cause I'm like, I know I'm going to f- eat for the rest of the week. So four meals, one of those is a sandwich. Cause I can only prep so much food and I enjoy the sandwich. I just have to have a lot of protein so that my blood sugar is stable. So regular breakfast I make, I usually make some sort of meat and potato or like meat and cooked fruit. And I'll eat that for two meals And then the sandwich I usually have like later in the afternoon, a big dinner. And then I have one snack in the morning and like one at night right before I go to bed. So I'm usually not going that long without eating. Hopefully when I was like not prepping that much food, I was having a hard time and I'm like, I can't do this. I want to feel good. I want to have energy. And she was just eating so much that I'm like, I'm depleted. So that really helped me and worked for me. People ask about best postpartum bra. I'm wearing it right now. It's called Stork, S-T-O-R-Q. I mean, I got a lot of postpartum bras. I do like Kindred Bravely. They have a lot of great stuff. I loved all every item I've ever gotten from them. I have liked and they're very soft. It's like, you know, sustainable, conscious. It's pricier, but all the stuff I have, I saved and I'm going to use my next pregnancy because it's, it's just like it lasts, it's lasts a long time. It's high quality. I was trying to find a bra that wasn't so like, I don't like when bras are too supportive and like too much. They strap you in too much. If you follow Leah from Lymph Love Club, she has like a whole series on like bras and like lymph supportive bras. And I messaged her 
a couple weeks ago and I was like, Leah, I found the best postpartum limb supportive bra and that's the stork one. It's just like, there's no underwire, there's no padding, but it's easy to open up and nurse if you want to. It's the fabric is super soft, highly recommend it. So stork is my, it's not the kind you can pump in. You know, those are like a whole other thing. I have one of those. I just got it off Amazon, but I only use it to pump. So stork is where it's at. And the sizes are weird. So take it goes up to one, two, three, four, five. So you have to take your measurements. I was a size four. So if you have really big boobs, might not fit. We'll have to see. But they're great. And I'll probably get another one. Okay. How did I balance with baby spouse marriage, create that balance? I would say, and this is kind of for everything, like in the beginning, it's like, you're just learning and you're so excited. Nothing really matters. I would say like around like the 10 week mark, like right before he was going to deploy, I started to get a little bit stressed out because Eliana would not nap by herself. She'd only nap with one of us. So we got no alone time. Whereas in the beginning at like three, four weeks, we'd put her down for a nap by herself for a couple hours. We could hang out. We could do things. My libido was crazy. I did get a question about libido. I don't know. And I'm going to post a quiz in my stories because I, no one told me about this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm ovulating every day. Like from the moment I had her, my hormones were insane. I felt like I was ovulating every day. My husband was like, what's wrong with you? Not that he didn't enjoy it, but it was like very unexpected. And then I, after like, I would say like around like six to eight weeks, it started to level off and I was like a normal person again. But I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like a teenager. What's going on? So like in the beginning, it's like we we could put her down. She wasn't as aware right? As soon as she would start waking up and we weren't there, she was like, what the heck? This is not cool. So it was pretty much all contact naps, which meant we got like no alone time together, which was hard, mostly because he was leaving. I think that, you know, next time, like looking back, I would just, I would be like, this is just a season. It might be hard right now, but like pretty soon she's going to go down for naps and we'll have a lot of time together and we'll be fine. So I would just say like in the beginning, both be prepared for that, that like your baby needs you and it's normal for them to not want to sleep by themselves. And so if you can either get help, maybe have a family member come in for like a couple hours and you guys get some alone time, I think that's worth it. But for us, it was like, you know, it just wasn't happening towards right before he left, which was so hard because like all you want is time together. But now I know like when he comes home, I'm like, she takes like two to three solid naps a day. And I can put her down at night and then leave the room and work. So obviously I won't do that when my husband's home. We'll get to hang out. But just knowing that I we're going to have that in the future, it removes a lot of that stress. So obviously we only have one kid though. So I'm like, man, this is going to be hard with two. But I again, I think it's like being purposeful, intentional with your time, communicating with each other like, hey, we both want to spend time together. I mean, I got really tired at 10 weeks. I'm like, I want to spend time with you, but like I'm exhausted and she wants to sleep with me. So I'm going to sleep with her. So, and he understood, I think it's just knowing it's not forever. So that's like, kind of like my advice there with balancing it. And then I really do think like making sure he had time to like do things he enjoyed, like work out. He loves to like make, he likes to woodwork and make stuff. So like he made like a couch and garden beds and stuff before he left. And like, sometimes I'd be like, okay, I I want you to come like hang out with us now. But I also like wanted him to be able to do things that he enjoyed. So it's just like finding that balance and like respecting 
your spouse or your partner that I think is the most important. And my husband is also just so helpful. Like he's, he cooks a lot. He's a clean person. So he likes to clean. I usually do a lot of the cleaning because he's always doing stuff outside, but it's like, if he's not, he helps. If I ever ask for anything, there's no question, you know, he'll stop what he's doing and help me. So I just think that having someone that cares so much and is so helpful, it makes me want to be better and a better wife to him. So it, it, we have like a really good balance, but it took a lot of communication to get there. We've been together for like 13 years and we definitely weren't always like that, but we both kind of like really stepped it up in marriage. Okay. So that's the balancing, the libido thing. Mine was crazy in the beginning and then now it's normal. I mean, my husband's not here. My libido is pretty much always low when he's deployed because it's, you know, he's just not around and I'm, my whole world is Eliana right now and my dogs. So, and working. So I feel like that's pretty normal. I'm also like breastfeeding and my cycle has not returned yet. I'm going to be four months postpartum this weekend as of recording this. When it comes out, I'll be like four and a half months. So I think that's pretty normal and standard though, but I just was not, it really took me for a turn in the beginning. And I was like, what's going on? I even asked my public floor PT and she's like, yeah, I don't like usually see that because I went like five weeks postpartum because I wanted to make sure that my tears were all healed. I felt really good, but I was just a little nervous. And she was like, honestly, like I wouldn't even have known that you tore if you didn't tell me. So I got the okay. That was all cleared. Oh, and she gave me this amazing article that I'm going to link in the notes. It's like sensei something. The whole thing was, she was like, listen, you can have sex. Like you're fine. Your pelvic floor is fine to have sex, but here's what I recommend, like the approach that you take to it and the art. And she gave me this article and it's all about like learning how to have sex again. Cause your body's different. You know, like I look different. I feel different. I had a baby. I'm a mom now. I mean, it's just weird when it's, you know, I'm constantly breastfeeding, like nipples are different. Everything's different. You feel different in your body. And so the whole point is to be very mindful around that. And they put you through like a series of steps, before you have sex. And so it, it was really cool. So I, I sent my husband the article. I'm like, we're doing this for the first like, you know, months because I just, I was like, I want to have a good sex life after having a baby, but I want to make sure that I enjoy it too. And so it's basically just like you and your partner getting to know each other's bodies again. And especially obviously like your body, cause your body's different and then learning what you like, because you might not like the same things that you liked before you had a baby. Things might feel different. And I just think that was like such a really cool approach to sex postpartum. Cause I think there's a lot of pressure to have sex soon after. And I told my husband, I was like, do not even, you know, we have to like have no expectations with that. Cause I don't know what it's going to be like postpartum. And a lot of people are like, what expectations did you have? I really didn't have any, I just didn't know. And I feel like there's only so much you can plan for with a baby and you don't know how you're going to feel, how your partner's going to feel. So that was something that we did talk about. I was like, it wasn't even on our radar, honestly, until I had this super high sex drive and we're like, we got to figure out if we can even have sex right now. So that's when I went to the pelvic floor PT, but I love the approach. You don't do anything sexual. It's just like sensual at first and you get to figure out what feels good in your body now that you're postpartum. And we did a lot of like, like specific work on my pelvic floor 
so that it wouldn't hurt when we had sex because I had a few tight spots. So that was also really helpful, which we still did until like right before he left, just because it's like, I don't want to be in pain. So that's also really helpful. Work with a pelvic floor PT if you can. Okay. She's awake. So I'm going to wrap this up really quick. Hair loss. I had a little hair loss right at the three month mark, which is typically when you're going to see it, but it was a really small amount. So I'm curious to see if I'm going to have more, but it was very minimal. And how does my body feel? I feel really good. I have a little tendonitis in my wrist. I had this in college. And so I'm going to, I've been going to the chiropractor. I'm probably going to try to see an acupuncturist to figure out what's going on. But other than that, like I have felt really good, but I'm telling you the foundations there, nothing changes. You just need to eat enough. I'm consistent with my supplements that I know I need because of testing that I've done in the past. And I spend time with my baby. We co-sleep. We do a lot of time outside. A lot of people ask if I'm giving her vitamin D. I'm not because we had her in May. And so we get there's plenty of time we get to spend outside. And I did some stories on this in my postpartum highlight. Some babies might need vitamin D. She did not. I had a good vitamin D status and we get plenty of time outside, but that's been our postpartum experience. Let me know if you have questions, tag me on Instagram, send me a message and I'll try to make sure I get to more questions and I'll just save them to my postpartum highlight. I'm going to put a ton of links in the show notes for all the different things that I mentioned and exercise. I'm going to do a whole episode on postpartum exercise. I'm using the birth fit postpartum program, but I also like mama stay fit. So both of those highly recommend and I'll link those as well, but there is going to be an episode coming. So thanks for all your questions. And I will see you in our next episode, all about breastfeeding with Therese Dansby. Thank you for listening to the Are You Menstrual podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review and sharing the podcast with someone you think it will help. If you are new here, we can't recommend enough to start with our mineral imbalance quiz. This is going to give you an idea if you are at low, moderate, or high risk for mineral imbalances. And then of course, make sure you follow us on Instagram at hormone healing RD and consider signing up for our newsletter. If you like nerding out and you are just loving these podcasts, but maybe you're a little bit more visual and you want to see things too, we go into a ton of detail in our weekly newsletter. So we would love to have you join us there. All right. Thank you. And we will see you in the next episode.